Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. And we are back. And if you are in a relationship, committed relationship, partnership, marriage, of course you want that to be fulfilling and a strong relationship, but sometimes life isn't perfect. Sometimes the car turns a little bit and there's some challenges within that relationship. We're going to work on that with you today. And he works with couples all the time in terms of therapy and counseling. He's a licensed clinical psychologist and he's got so much insight, especially on relationships. And he's back with us. Dr. John Gerson joins us on the program. John, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Steve. Thank you. Nice to see you. You too. And yeah, let's dig right into relationships and what keeps them strong. And of course, there's going to be times where not everything is perfect. That's called life. Um, But what are some of the fundamentals to keep that relationship strong? Well, I think that after people have been, been together for a while, it's easy for them to forget why they're together. Easy for them to forget what were the ingredients that led them to choose each other. And of course, during the courtship period, everybody is um, admiring the other. You know, you're you're terrific. I love you. You're special. You're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, your background is perfect for mine. Uh, let's get closer. And so, as people go down the life, go down the road of life, of living, um, those um, initial uh, ad- admiring um, statements kind of kind of go down below the surface and they're not used as much as they need to be used especially during under conditions of stress and uh, mistrust and conflict so uh, if there's conflict which is inevitable in all relationships i think what needs to happen is that the people need to spouses need to turn toward each other rather than away from each other and to go down the road of well, he doesn't really understand me. She doesn't understand me. And uh, I'm going to talk to a friend of mine about it rather than talk to her or rather than talk to him. Mm. You know, I'm going to turn away from my partner. And instead of relying upon the relationship as a source of cure, so to speak, or source of healing. And I think that's very important to turn toward your partner and, again, recognize the relationship as a source of, uh, I'm saying the same thing, source of healing. Mm. And so, you know, go ahead, Steve. It looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah, I, and I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, John. Do you do you feel that once you start those challenges and conflicts, and yes, it's going to happen, and once you start doing that, where you're just blocking the other person out, you're not really dealing with the conflict uh, effectively, then you're uh, speaking with friends. Does it does it seem like once that starts, you jump down that rabbit hole, and now you need to start climbing out? That's a, it's a great question. How do you climb out? Uh, I think the motivation has to be there. There has to be some um, history, I think, within the individual that says, well, my parents, for example, were able to manage conflict. If if I'm uh, the child of parents who um, were not able to manage conflict, and I'm in a relationship uh, as an adult now, then those deficits are going to get in the way of my, once again, looking toward my partner as a source of correction, if you will, as a source of what we call a corrective emotional experience. So um, one's background has a lot to do with the readiness and ability to deal with stuff that's coming up in a, in a current relationship. 
So let's say you had um, parents who were fighting a lot. Maybe there was alcoholism involved or there was infidelity involved and the parents uh, were not able to really deal with that effectively and those um, toxic elements in in the parents' relationship kind of go down, went downhill and affected the rest of the family. Well, you know, that is going to be carried into one's adult life because of um, modeling, you know. I had really bad models, one would say, uh, with regard to dealing with conflict, dealing with stress. So in, 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 if, I, if I don't, as an adult, avail myself of some skills building to help me um, manage conflict as an adult and do it better than my parents did, then I, I'm, I'm in some trouble. I'm in the trouble of repeating uh, what I experienced as a kid, for example, repeating the models of dysfunctional relationships that my parents uh, showed me. Mm. And what if, what if, John, you have a couple and both of them come from families where their parents got divorced, maybe at an early age, and they didn't see that, that conflict resolution situation going on. I don't want to say it's a recipe for disaster, but it's, you've already, it sounds like you've already taken the car and you've turned it, you know, off, off the road a little bit, and it's going to get a little bumpy at some point. Well, you know, we should take a look at, um, divorce as sometimes necessary. So if your parents have been in, embedded in an in irreconcilable conflict, then for the sake of children and for the sake of their own individual mental health, it can be uh, useful for that, for that couple to separate. Um, you know, then, then uh, you get a situation in which the children are relieved of the stress of parents fighting with each other. On the other hand, if the parents have had some ability to manage what's going on with between them and inside of them and are able to bring that to the children, well, those children now as adults should be able to um, introduce those same skills into their current relationships. Hmm. And um, I think it's important to look at a couple of things here. One is, um, well, let's say there's been infidelity in a relationship. That's very, very difficult to deal with, difficult to recover from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, people never recover from an infidelity, <clears throat> but it requires um, sensitive in- inspection, involvement, and as much as possible, a non-blaming attitude. And um, what, do you, what do you mean by non-blaming? Well, of course, there's pain and hurt if there's been an infidelity, and. Um, but I think there needs to be, instead of blaming and such as to say, well, you did such and such and you stepped out of the relationship and I'm never going to forgive you rather than, than go down that road. Uh, and of course, that's probably the initial, the initial shock sure. reaction. But rather than go down that road, I think what's important is for people, once they recover from that, that awful feeling of explosive, you know, I'm going to kill you kind of feeling yep. uh, to... Um, Try to recognize what was going on in the relationship that wasn't that was not really facilitative of good feelings, of loving feelings, of closeness. So as to examine what were the conditions that led us to this this place. And then, you know, if if that can happen, then once again, people are looking to the relationship as a source of change. And this is where therapists can come in uh, to help that couple. Um 
again, explore what was going on, what wasn't working, and to try to build skills so as to prevent the emotional disconnect from happening again. I know we've last time we got together, we we did talk about infidelity. Um, and I think we had somebody reach out to us uh, on our instant feedback line. And I believe they were asking, you know, once a cheater, are they always a cheater? Um, mm. in, in my view, if you've cheated once, maybe twice, you're probably going to do it again. And that's just mm -hmm. my opinion based on friends mm -hmm. and seeing situations um, because you think it's okay. Your, men, your morals, your mentality, your, 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 your moral compass feels that if, if you're not getting at it, what you really want out of the relationship, you're going to go someplace else where other people would just try to work <clears> on <throat> it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, I feel, and I would love your feelings on it. Once there is infidelity, it's, you're up against some heavy duty odds here in, in, in fixing a relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's impossible. Okay. And sure. uh, I, I think that um, under the, under really good conditions in which there's been caring, love, respect, interest in what was going on that led people to be, uh, to pull away from each other. If that interest is there, then, and, and the process of rebuilding takes place again, mostly uh, most um the best way with the therapist, then uh, as as it is with a bone that's broken and heals, so that healing's heal structure is stronger than the original structure. Hmm. So that can happen. You know, that can happen. Sure. But then we can say to each other, well, we got through some really bad stuff, uh, nearly destroyed us, but it didn't. And we're stronger than we were before. This is never going to happen again. Now, this... Uh, you know, that once a cheater, always a cheater. It's easy to say, but I, I, I think, well, if you, if you, if someone has cheated multiple times, that's a formula for let's get out, get out of the relationship because it's not working. This is not a relationship that's built on trust. It's, it's, it's the, the relationship we might say is ended. Well, okay. So we look at that. What if the person had a history of some cheating before the, the relationship you're in with them? Then you discovered it. Now what happened to you in that relationship? Um, so it's a one-off, apparently a one-off in this current relationship, but you know that that person has done it in the past or you discovered it. Um, to me, it looks like it's kind of a, that's the way they're wired. They think that's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not okay. Right. Of course, not okay. Sure. Um, you know, that, that's something that has to be looked at very um, keenly. You know, is this person kind of inherently unable to maintain a commitment? And <clears throat> if that's the case, then again, I think people need to talk about let's separate. Um, separation and divorce, as um, awful as the people uh, imagine that to be and as awful as it can be, can be also um, a relief from pain. So that's, that's something right. to look at. But if there's been um, a series of, or a system of infidelity, then you have a partner, if, if it's a man or a woman, um, who um, goes to outside sources for comfort rather than going to the relationship for comfort. And again, this is so important to be able to turn toward each other rather than away from each other when there are hard feelings. You know, I, I have a real problem with what you did, sweetheart, 
uh, let's talk about it. That's that's facilitative as opposed to uh, I'm going to keep this quiet. I'm going to keep myself and I'm going to build up feelings of resentment, not talk about it. And I'm going to share my feelings of resentment with my friend or with someone I might be able to get close to sexually. And then the ball is rolling and I have another relationship and that complicates my life, complicates my family's life. Yeah. It um, interferes with the rebuilding of trust. Absolutely. So, yeah. Or you get to that, that, that point where you are talking, trying to resolve conflict, and then it just ends. Yeah. I don't want to talk anymore. I'm done. I've tried. Mm -hmm. Next mm -hmm. time, which a lot of times it happens where you just get, you get to the same point and then you shut it down. You know, couples will mm -hmm. shut it down and then well, it's time to call you at that point. <laughs> you need somebody to, I guess, mediate uh, and look at both sides. Um, in terms of strong marriages, obviously it's communication. So key. And what you just said, when something arises to take care of it and talk about it. How about some other suggestions to keep things strong in a marriage? Well, um, there have to be... Um... It has to be a lot of admiration. You know, they say you get more 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 bees with honey than vinegar. Mm -hmm. uh, there has to be a lot of admiration. As I was saying earlier, uh, the brain tend, the brain tends to hold on to negative messages more readily than positive messages because of the um, evolutionary biology that says if there's something negative going on, going on, it's a threat to my well-being. It's a threat to my safety. I better remember that. I better hold on to that. Excuse me. So the the flip side of that, the the um, the healing that uh, piece that can come from looking at the other way of dealing with that is to look toward the the couple, look toward the spouse once again as a source of healing. Would you repeat your question? I think I'm I'm losing the thread of it. Um, keeping the relationship strong. Thoughts on how to do that? Oh. Uh, positive attitudes toward each other. There needs to be um, significantly more, maybe four or five times more positive statements made uh, toward the toward your partner than negative statements. Wow! I really like I really like what you're wearing today. I think your makeup is terrific. Uh, I like that tie. Um, I think what you did with the kids was terrific. You know, I really admire what you were saying in our conversation last night. I'm so proud of you for exercising so much. I think you're in good shape. Uh, I like what you said to your mother the other night, even though it was difficult for you. You know, those kinds of positive supportive statements uh, go far to um, to uh, creating a strong bond between those two people. Isn't you know, it amazing, John? What you're saying is so elementary, but so important. And as the relationship goes on, it just gets lost. It just... It, it, it's, and, you know, it's interesting. We have Rachel Port Jervis, New York, checks in instant feedback, Steve at gmail.com. She says, <clears throat> I no longer feel my husband is my friend. I've tried so hard, but I feel it's not there. And I wonder if he'll ever be the way he was. Can you offer any suggestions? Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to say that, you know, I don't feel like you're my friend anymore. Can we talk about what happened? Hmm rather than just to put it in your pocket and grieve and, and be upset about it, but to talk about it. And if um, your spouse is unwilling or to talk about it, then you know something else is, needs to be uh, looked at, which is, well, I have someone who uh, isn't a good communicator. Um, so 
if the friendship isn't there, and we know that friendship is is this is the basis of a good uh, marital relationship, a good sexual relationship. If the friendship isn't there, then there's real trouble. Mm. And sex by itself can't uh, bridge that gap. Can't can't heal the wound. <clears throat> excuse me. That comes from uh, lack of friendship. So it's a compli- it's a complicated question. Requires a lot of investigation. If my if my husband and my wife is just, I don't feel like they're my friend anymore. That has to be looked at. I don't feel like you're my friend anymore. I need to talk with you about that. So communication is absolutely key. I need to talk with you about this. If you can't talk with me about it now, if you're too busy, let's make a date. Maybe after the children are asleep or something like that, when we, we, when we can talk about this. Yeah. So. And, yeah. and it's got to be heartfelt and genuine, not like somebody is, you know, as they say, phoning it in. You know, they got to feel yeah. that it is. But you know what? It's also the definition. How do you define a friend? Maybe he thinks one thing and she, Rachel, thinks another thing as to what a friend is or should be. Well, I, I think that we'd probably all agree that a friend is someone who's there for you. No, who, matter, no um, matter what. Is aware aware of what you need who is not so narcissistic that they're just talking about themselves or looking at a problem through their own eyes and saying, well, I, you did this to me and you did that to me. But a friend is someone who can uh, be quiet for a little while and listen and then say back what you, what he or she has heard. I'm hearing you say such and such. Is, is that it? Am I getting it right? Now, what I'm describing right now is a way of communi- communicating that many people don't embrace, that many people are not familiar with. To We call it reflective listening or mirroring. What I hear you saying is such and such. Am I getting it right? You know, that question is so important. Am I hearing you right? Am I, am I in, uh, investing my feelings and in, in myself into your feelings? Do you feel held by me? So those mm-hmm. ways of, those questions are, are um, key to be being able to um, bridge the gap. And why is my husband or my wife no longer my friend and not, not feeling like my friend? Am, am I behaving in some way that pushes him or her away? Hmm. That's a question I would ask my partner. What am I doing that makes you um, push away from me and um, give me the sense that you're no longer my friend? Maybe there's something in me that we should talk about, something about my behavior that we should talk about. Yeah. So it's a system. The marriage is a system. The relationship is a system. Do you believe that people, you know, the old adage, the seven-year itch? I've heard this. Mm. I, I want to. I want your your. Since you deal with many couples, I've heard that we evaluate our relationships every five years, and the seven-year itch comes in because usually it takes two years for us to act on it. And you know, they say yeah. a lot of times couples break up after seven years. Um, I can see some truth in that, the seven-year number, um, but I'm wondering if it's just that, that evaluation. Uh, then I've often heard nine years, another one, not just relationships, but reevaluating our lives every nine years. Any thoughts on any of that? You know, I, I think that in that, um, that um, formal sit-down, let's evaluate our relationship, um, doesn't happen um, commonly. I think that in healthy relationships, the... Um, Evaluation per se is inherent in how people are talking with each other over time, being with each other over time. So the need to take a look at it isn't going to be there 
unless there's been some problems. And then, then we have to say, okay, have we recovered from the problems? Are we recovering? What can we do to make it better? But in healthy relationships, I, I don't think that that, uh, that question has to be uh, part of what goes on. You know, well, when I is- say the, the evaluation, it's the individual's evaluation of the relationship. So let's say five years have, have gone by and inside you internally say, well, where am I at here? You know, what's going on here? Just, you know, you think from day to day, man, it's not really as strong as I, I'm not really happy. I'm not fulfilled. And then again, internally, not even discussing it with the other person, which you should, but then in two years go by where you're thinking about it, you know, should we get divorced? Is this really where we should be? Is this what I want in life? And that's why they say that's where the seven year itch comes. And that's, mm, you know, mm, typically mm. where couples break up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't seen that that much and I I'm familiar okay. with the idea, but I haven't seen it that much where people are saying, okay, what's, what's been the course of our relationship? Is it worth continuing after five years, after seven years? Uh, I haven't seen that much, hmm. frankly. Yeah. Uh, and, and it could be just one of those you're thinking to yourself, am I happy? Or somebody else comes in your life, you meet some other people. And it's like, oh, I feel more fulfilled than in my marriage. And then another couple of years go by and you're like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. seven years have elapsed and, or, or, you know, it could be 14, another seven go on. And then mm-hmm. you have that mm-hmm. thought. I just, well, I, I heard that uh, a few times over the last few years, actually. <clears throat> I wondered if there was any, any truth to it or any thoughts well, on it. I, I think the likelihood or the, the, um, the need to make those evaluations is going to come about through lack of trust, through a history that's been built up of dealing with, of not dealing with uh, problems, of not turning toward each other, of not looking to the relationship as sources, as a source of healing and, and, and gain. So if, if that, um, if that hasn't been there, then of course there's going to be more of a need to evaluate. Gee, let's see what's going on here. It's not working too well. Why is it not working too well? Because of this factor and that factor. But if if the relationship has been working well, then it's kind of like a smoothly oiled machine. Then there's no reason to look at um, what needs more attention. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's a um, delicate balance in relationships all the time. We um, sometimes we take it for granted, take the other person for granted, and that's where the car starts turning. Um, when you work with people on a couple's capacity, do you work with them individually and then as a couple, or can you do it that way? Um, no, I think it's important to work with the couple immediately, not with individuals. Okay. I think the couple, the couple becomes the patient Gotcha. or the, the client. And I, I think, uh, when, if, if uh, a therapist was to begin working with an individual, with uh, one one partner rather rather than working with the relationship, it can um, um, create an alliance between the therapist and that one person, mm. and that's not good for the dynamic that needs to occur between the therapist and two people and a couple. So the couple has to be, um, in a way, um, what's the word? I can't think. Special the couple has to be. Um, sanctified in a way of one, not the right word I'm thinking of. But I totally have the picture and I, I didn't think of it until you said it, but you just imagine is, is, let's say you speak with the wife a couple of times and then now you meet together with the husband. Maybe he says, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to anybody, but they meet as a couple. He can turn that around and say, well, you know, of course, you know, 
the psychologist is going to say that you've already talked to him. So it's almost like it's an mm-hmm, unfair, mm-hmm, unfair playing mm-hmm. field. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You've already talked with him. You have a, a relationship built up with him. He probably is taking your side. Exactly. It's right. like, it's almost like he's, it's almost like she's cheating, but she's not. Yeah, but exactly. In, in a way, in a way, because now it's, you know, things are different. Now you're relying on this guy over here, but I won't, I feel like I'm left out. And I don't mm-hmm. mean cheating in the, in the, you know, infidelity aspect. No, right, right, right. When somebody wants to work with you, couples, let's say they're going through some challenges, maybe even Rachel, you know, with her husband that doesn't feel like a friend any longer. How does it start? Make an appointment or do you do a, a free consultation so somebody can see if, if, if you fit what they're looking for? Well, sure. Make, a, make an appointment with me. I do offer a free uh, consultation. And that's often um, a plus for me as well as for the people who are calling me because I need to decide, is this a couple that I can really help or not? So uh, the initial consultation is valuable for for everybody. And yes, I do offer it for no gratis. Yeah. Gotcha. And people people can reach me uh, through uh, my website, which is drjohngerson.com. And uh, they can they can call me as well. And the, the numbers on your website, too, I see. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And when we say Dr. John Gerson, it's Dr. John Gerson, G-E-R-S-O-N, Dr. John Gerson. John, I love the fact that you have so much insight for couples and you listen. <laughs> I've talked to psychologists before that don't listen. And they, they, just, you know, they just hear one thing and then they move on. You really have a, a true feeling for, for what couples are going through. And, uh, and, and, and that's fantastic. You're, it's kind of well, rare. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Listening is key. In everything. And, and I should say also that listening is a gift. You know, a lot of people don't give each other the, the gift of listening. It's easy to be talking. It's easy to be noisy. Much more difficult to be quiet and to be listening. I heard something recently where one of the best things you can do is not say anything. Somebody talks, wait a couple of seconds. It's okay. Mm-hmm, 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 we mm-hmm. think that, you know, the proverbial, you could drive a Mack truck in between the, the gap from when they spoke and you spoke in your mind, you think, Oh God, like 10 seconds have gone on, mm-hmm. but no, a few, three seconds, whatever it's okay. And it shows that you process what, what the person said. So, uh, mm-hmm. appreciate it, John, Dr. John Gerson.com is the website. And whether you're an individual or a couple looking for some guidance, Reach out to John. John, thank you so much. I look forward to next time we get a chance to talk. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate your time. Thank you. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. For nearly 2,000 severely injured veterans, everyday life has become filled with barriers. Day-to-day simple tasks can become pretty daunting. I have to carry my chair up two flights of steps or have somebody do it for me. What scares me the most is just the falling. When I'm struggling with my house, I think, you know, to have that one great barrier just knocked down, I mean, it's, it's crucial. Home for Our Troops is a wonderful nonprofit that builds a mortgage-free, fully adaptive, handicap-accessible house, and there's no catch. It'll be our very first home that we've ever owned. This is a game changer. This is where your life begins again. We need you to join us in completing this important mission. Please visit hfotusa.org and help build homes and rebuild lives. Because of you, everything's 
it's gonna be okay. <laughs>